Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's sponsor is actually my own holiday gift guide, which you all must check out at zibbyowens.com slash gift shop. Zibbyowens.com slash gift shop. I have so many amazing things organized by all the things moms don't have time to do, like eat, sleep, work out. I don't know. There are 10 different categories and they're amazing and read. There's so many reading gifts and writing gifts. Um, my daughter's here with me today and I was asking her some of her favorites from my list. What do you think? A hydro flask. And uh, you loved all the sugary treats, right? Oh yeah. Anything with candy. Like Sugar Wish and Nini's treats. I love Nini's treats. Um, and the Function of Beauty shampoos. Oh, I, love I heard about them through you. So Function of and Beauty shampoos. Dylan I saw. Dylan's candy bar. Amazing. Um, so go check it out. We have discount codes for almost everything at this point, and some are still pending, but go to zibbyowens.com slash gift shop and get some great gifts for the people you love and pick up a few for yourself. Why not stop into the gift shop? Clint Edwards is the creator of the hilarious daddy blog, No Idea What I'm Doing. He is also a staff writer for Scary Mommy and a parenting contributor to the New York Times and the Washington Post. He has been featured on Good Morning America, The Today Show, and The View. Clint started with his breakout hit books, I'm Sorry, Love Your Husband, and Silence is a Scary Sound. His new book, Father-ish, Laugh Out Loud Tales from a Dad Trying Not to Ruin His Kids' Lives, has more hilarious stories, this time focused on the heart of parenting, all those unexpected fails, awkward conversations, and well-intentioned little white lies. Welcome, Clint. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Oh, hey, happy to be here. I'm, That's when you say, thanks for <laughs> That was my cue. I missed your cue. cue. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not very professional. I'm not very good at this. I, I, you know, people are always like, why don't you do like go live? And I'm like, because I'm so awkward. <laughs> no, you're not awkward. And uh, you're well, I, so funny. I, oh, I like started reading this book, like not in the best mood. And you know, those moods when you're like, I just don't feel like laughing. I don't want to get out of my bad mood. I just sure. want to like, kind of like marinate in it for a while. And, and I was reading your book and you made me laugh a few times out loud. And I'm like, Oh gosh, okay, fine. I'm not in a bad mood anymore. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's know, that was good. the goal. Yeah. Is I, I think I'm funny. And, and that's the most important part, but like, it's cause like my family, I think they're tired of, of me. They've known me for so long, like my, my siblings and my mother in particular. And so I love to bring up at like family dinners that I'm a recognized humorist. <laughs> like I'll be like, you guys know I'm a recognized humorist. I'm a funny guy. And everybody at the table just like groans. <laughs> <laughs> can always trust your family to put you in your place. <laughs> Generally. Yep. Your family and your children. Definitely. <laughs> so Fatherish is your latest book, Laugh uh -huh. Out Loud Tales from a Dad Trying Not to Ruin His Kids' Lives. Uh -huh. And you have an amazing blog and you've written other books and you just have this way of making all these everyday moments in parenting life 
really funny and relatable and you end up like really rooting for you in a, you know, you, you compare yourself often in this book, at least to Clark Griswold, who was, you know, as a child of the eighties, my, you know, <laughs> dad hero of sorts or something, sure. I don't know, but you're much less awkward, it seems, <laughs> than, than Clark. <laughs> well, it, you know, I think it's funny because like I have like my blog is no idea what I'm doing and I'm getting across platforms. I'm getting like close to a half a million followers, which seems really cool, but I still have a day job, so it can't be that cool. <laughs> but what is funny is like, I often have people say, oh man, I wish we were neighbors or I wish we could have dinner or hang out. And I'm like, you would be shocked how boring I am in real life. I think what I'm good at is just finding the humor in, in just boring things. But like for the most part, it, I'm just like this 30 something year old dude just wandering around in sweatpants. Like I'm not, I'm not that interesting, but I've just been lucky enough to be able to find some of that humor. And, and I've been lucky to have, I guess the, uh, like my wife is willing to let me do it. <laughs> you know, like she's, she's allowed me to be able to just kind of write freely about our kids and her and, and they're the most interesting people I got. I mean, easily. And so I've been lucky enough to be able to just kind of sit down and be able to find the humor in it. And so when did you start writing? Did this precede your kids? Like, did you write as a kid yourself or is it something that came up when you just had all this material in your head suddenly? Well, so I, I don't know how far back I want to go on this, right? Go, you know, go I, all the way back. All the way back. Yeah. I was not the one of those kids. So I graduated in high school and I didn't know how to type and I'd never read a novel. I don't know how, I was like a failure of the education system. And when I met my wife, I was 21, and I told her I wanted to go to college, but I didn't know how to type. And she was like, oh, well, you know, I'll help you. And so she actually typed my papers when I first started college. So I would handwrite them and my spelling would be so bad and my handwriting was so bad she couldn't actually read it. So I would sit next to her and we were in this, she was living in this apartment across the street from the liquor store, like just this rundown crappy apartment. And I would read the papers to her and she would type them. And that was like when we first started dating, I couldn't help but like fall in love with her. But I was really scared to take like English, like composition and all that sort of stuff when I got into college. And then I finally did. And I had a really great professor. I got really lucky. And he, one of the first assignments was to write a humorous essay. And I wrote a story about when I crapped my pants my freshman year in PE. And everybody just thought it was so funny. And I had so much fun writing it. And the professor was like, I mean, this is really unfortunate what happened to you, but <laughs> this was really, really funny and well done. And that was kind of, I guess, when I got the writing bug. And so I changed my, my major from power line technology to English. And my family, like my mother was like, what are you going to do with that? And I just told her homeless because it was just, it's what she wanted to hear. You know, it was like the easier answer. And I started writing a lot about, so, you know, my blog is titled No Idea What I'm Doing. It's because my dad had a drug addiction. I didn't know him very well. So he was in and out of my life. And that was kind of how I felt going into dad stuff. But anyways, I started writing, you know, a lot of essays that were funny. And then I started writing a lot of like serious stuff. And then I eventually went and got an MFA in creative writing. And I thought I was going to write this like heartbreaking tragedy memoir, you know, like Liars Club type of thing. And I spent, I finished my MFA and I spent like a, a summer as a stay-at-home dad trying to sell the book. And I was rejected by, I have a whole spreadsheet. It's like a spreadsheet of shame. 
And I have like 200 plus agents and small publishers in there that rejected me. And I was so depressed and so frustrating. I thought, you know, I got to do something different. And I took the dust off this blog that I created as an undergrad and just started writing about my kids. It was something else. I didn't think anyone would be very interested in my kids, but maybe they would. And the first thing I published on there was about being a stay-at-home dad. I think it was read by a thousand people and my head just exploded. I thought, what? A thousand people read this? I mean, the last literary journal I was published in was North Dakota Quarterly. How often do you read that? (laughs) Anytime I'm in North Dakota. Always. Every time. I always pick it up. Yeah. Every quarter it comes in my mailbox, right? I mean, I think the circulation was 300, you know, and it's a very respected journal and blah, 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 blah. But I'm pretty sure I read it, the essay and, and the managing editor. I think those are the two people that actually read that edition. And so I just was like, wow, a thousand people read it. So I just start posting on my blog every day for five days a week. And I was like, let's see what happens. And, you know, by, and I did it for a year. And by the end of the year, you know, I got in the attention of the Huffington Post. So I wrote for them. And then I wrote for the Washington Post and the New York Times. And then I had this one post just like explode on the Washington Post and like Good Morning America came to my house. It was like the worst experience. Like don't ever, if Good Morning America wants to come to your house, you tell them no. Like it's so oh. awkward. Like they were following me around and my kids for like, I don't know. It was like eight hours or something. There's some obscene amount of time. And I think I was on the show for maybe five minutes. And so I thought, oh, okay, I should be able to publish a book. And then I sent it out. I started trying to publish like a kid or a book about parenting. And I got rejected like 200 times again. <laughs> so I have like two spreadsheets of shame. So I actually self-published my first book. And then eventually I was able to get, I ended up you know, gain attention of Page Street, which is distributed by Macmillan. And that's who published my last three books. But I'm mean, sorry. That's like, a, you said go all the way back. It was a long that's story. That's what I wanted. I, that's, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Find that whole thing was really interesting. It was uh, a long journey and I'm, I'm here now and I've just kept it at it. I've just kept blogging, kept writing and, um, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully, you know, I'll make all sorts of money and, you know, I'll be able to be like a full-time writer. That's my goal now. And you said you have another day job. What's your day job? I work in an athletics program. I tell the student athletes to do their homework. So I'm really popular, as you can imagine. And I've done that for, I've been there six years now, something like that. So yes, yeah, it's, it's a good university job and it's fine. Like I love helping students. I love education. Uh, I never really got out of the university once I got into it. But you know, at some point I would love to just flip my desk, you know, and, and peace out and, and be a writer full time. But that's, that's, that's a lot harder than you'd think. I mean, at least you have to put it out there, right? You have to like yeah, yeah. get that goal out there. And if you don't, if you don't have it as a goal, it's definitely not going to happen. So, well, I'm surprised how many people think I just write full time. They like think this is what I do. And I'm like, no, no, that'd be cool though. Be great. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. It is a hard profession in that regard, unfortunately, because it's the, the talent is not commensurate with, this, with the compensation in the slightest in this sure. industry, I will say. And you know, it's funny you talk about how you couldn't sell your book of about parenting because I actually had the same experience. I was doing all this essay writing about parenting and all these like sure. everyday moments and whatever. And I was like, oh, this is great. This should be, this is, you know, I'll do a whole book about it and whatever. And like everyone in the industry keeps saying like, no, books on parenting don't sell. And yeah. it's so hard. And meanwhile, you know, I read books on parenting all the time and I love essay books like this and so do other people. So I don't know. I think it depends on the book, like with everything else. And I think blanket statements like, you know, book of essays don't work or parenting stories don't work. or It's not that. You just have to have the right storyteller. 
Well, I think, you know, I think a lot of people get caught up in the rejection, right? And I'm telling you right now, like, you know, I was rejected hundreds of times. <laughs> it's got to be in the thousands by now across periodicals and essays and books and different things. And it used to really emotionally cripple me. And now I just kind of wrap my arms around it. I give it a hug. <laughs> you know, I pull it in. It is what it is. It, rejection is a huge part of it. And I, I don't know, man, if I had given up, you know, after that first rejection or whatever, I wouldn't be, you know, selling books and having people message me and say that they, you know, I helped them with X, Y, and Z. Uh, I mean, there's really cool stuff that happens with it. And we're in a really cool time where they're really, I mean, yeah, they say, no, okay, cool. Self-publish. You know what I mean? Put it up on a blog, put it out there. Keep trying. There are so many avenues to publish right now. And it's really, it's a really cool time to be a writer. I mean, when, I mean, think about this. I am living in the middle of nowhere, Oregon, right? And I started a blog most of the time writing at the McDonald's play place at five o'clock in the morning because there were no kids around and they had diet soda. And I could just get jacked up on Diet Coke and, and write for two or three hours. And I've been doing, I mean, I don't go there now, but you know, I've been doing stuff like that for years. And, and in the middle of nowhere, Oregon, I've been able to put together like half a million followers and, and have three books out. Like, I mean, what other time could you do that? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a cool time to be able to do it. That's true. I like that. It's very optimistic. And yet you also have this same sort of sad side to you as well, right? Which I think a lot of humor comes from pain to begin with, right? But you write openly about on your blog about having anxiety and depression. And even when you tinkered with your meds and, and even stories in this book about how your dad was there more for your older brothers and taught them to do more of the handy things. And you missed out on that. And so you tried to teach your son, which ended up being like hilarious, another (laughs) hilarious story, but there's a lot of, it's, there's sadness in all of this. And this is like your way of channeling it. And yet you also share it, which is very unique. I think for most, not to make sweeping generalizations, but a lot of men aren't as comfortable sharing all of that. So tell me a little bit about, about that piece of you and, and sort of coping with what happened with your own dad and coping with your own mental stuff. Well, I mean, I, you know, I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. Like I was probably 19, I think is when that started to really hit home. And and now I think I live a pretty normal life. I don't think I was ever like, I was never Jack Nicholson, you know, bad or in, oh, what is that movie? As good as it gets. You know, I was, I was definitely never Bill Murray in What About Bob. I never got that bad, but I definitely had a lot of, and I still struggle a lot with anxiety. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, having kind of a difficult childhood. And, you know, and I, I you know, my dad was a drug addict and my mom has a lot of emotional problems that she hasn't dealt with. And I, you know, I ran away when I was 14. I was just like, peace out. And I left and eventually was raised by my grandmother. It, and it took me a while to be open about my anxiety and my depression and stuff. And and some of that's, mas- you know, kind of like cliche masculinity stuff. But some of it's just, I mean, I don't know. It it takes a while for you to even understand it yourself. And I don't even know if I fully understand it. But I will say that I've found a lot of humor in the tragedy and a lot, and, and some of the best medicine you can do is to just laugh at it, you know, and laugh at what you're doing and laugh at the anxiety. And it definitely takes the power away. But yeah, I've been writing a lot more about, you know, my mental health and, and depression and trying to make sense of it. And I was worried that people would like give me crap or, you know, call me crazy or whatever, which I already 
call myself that. So, you know, it's easy for them to do too, but I've actually had way more people reach out and just say, thanks. You know, I went on medication because of you, or I reached out to my therapist because of you, or you helped me, you know, figure out how to better manage my own anxiety. Just, and, and it's not like I think I'm saying anything really profound, you know, I'm just writing about it and being open about it and being a presence. And that I think really helps. I think that helps a lot of other people. And that's cool for me as a writer. And it helps me not feel so alone. So of course, this all is about me, you know, and I feel less crazy by talking more about my crazy, I guess. Wow. So why do you not have a podcast? Why do I not have a podcast? Yeah. Oh man, I, listen, I have no desire to hear my voice any more than I already hear it. (laughs) I have no desire to do a podcast. I have no desire to be a vlogger. I have no desire to go. I went live a few times and I just found it really awkward and I didn't like it. I just want to write. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to write. I like to write. Writing is great for me to help me process the world. You know, if you've got parents listening to this, particularly dads, you want to be a better dad, write about being a dad. Like, sit down and just reflect on it. Think about it. Take some time to really understand, like, why is that moment sticking out in your head? Why did you feel like a jerk then? You know, like write it down and you will be shocked how much, I mean, it's been the best thing that I could have done for my marriage and my family is for me to just sit down and be reflective about it. You know, I can't count how many times I've been writing a blog post and I'll think to myself, man, I don't know why I can't stop thinking about that. And then I'll be like, oh, it's because I was being a dick, you know, <laughs> and then I'll go and apologize to my kid or I'll apologize to my wife. Like, I just realized that I was being a total jerk back then and I'm sorry. And then, you know, I apologize and I can finish the blog post. So, I mean, being reflective and thoughtful is one of the best things you can do. That's great advice. Your essay on when the dog was choking on the gingerbread yeah. might have been the funniest. You're, it's like a David Sedaris level humor <sighs> thing. And, and it's true. It's what you just said. It's like, at the end, you're like, can you believe I even said you're, you know, I made the dog say you're welcome or whatever it is you did. Just so funny. It's like, and you know, the other great thing about this introduction even in your book is you say there are no parenting experts. Like no one is a parenting expert. Even if you call yourself one, parents who view themselves as one, it doesn't matter how much TV exposure, how, what you put on the label underneath your title on a book, like no one knows what they're doing. And that is just the most universal feeling because it's true. And your whole thing about control and we have no, no real control over these constantly changing animals. I have four kids and it's just impossible. It's always impossible. So you have to just like, you know, I don't know, buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you, you know, we were talking about my son going by the name flip. Like if you, I mean, whatever you think your kids are going to do or whatever you hope, or if you even think they're going to be interested in anything you've ever done, <laughs> you know, like throw that all out the window. They are definitely their own little people and they are interested in their own little things. And I don't know. I mean, parenting has been the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, it's the most rewarding. I love the heck out of my kids, but they're definitely confusing. (laughs) I can't, I can't figure them out. Yeah. I also feel that the more kids I have, the more I realize I have not that much to do with even how they're turning out to begin with. Like they're kind of born (laughs) the way they are. And I didn't know that at the beginning. I thought I had like, you know, whether or not I had the kid, you know, on my lap or next to me in the music class would actually make a difference in like their development overall. And what music class, the fact that I even had them in music classes, whereas like these guys, I'm like, (laughs) whatever. That It makes no difference. Like they're just born basically who they are, just like you and I were. And all we can do as parents, I think, 
or what I've sort of come to realize is just not mess them up, right? Protect who they are <laughs> and just like try hard not to mess it up. I, I mean, I know one of the things that I've struggled with is for a long time, I would compare myself. You know, we were talking about keep the expectations low for this interview. Yes. Well, <laughs> I did the same thing as a father. I thought to myself, I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'm doing better than my dad, you know? Well, my dad was a drug addict. You know, he was in out of jail. Like the best relationship I had with my dad was when I would visit him in jail because I knew where he was and I knew where to find him. And for the most part, he was sober, right? And and that's a pretty low bar. And so it was a long, it was a while there before I got to it. I was like, why am I still compare myself to this guy. You know what I mean? I should be raising my bar even higher. And the thing is with this book too, so much of it, it was the original, well, the original pitch was a Christmas book. I wanted to do a book all about Christmas. So that's why the first several essays are about Christmas. But the publisher was like, I don't know if that's going to work. Right. And so we eventually settled on a book of fails. And ultimately this book is, it's a collection of all my mistakes, but so many of these mistakes, it's like, I went into it thinking I was screwing it up and then found out that it actually wasn't that bad. I actually didn't do that bad of a job. And I think that's like 90% of parenting is you think you're screwing up your kids in every avenue. And then you start to realize that you were there and you were trying and that was enough. And that's cool. And it doesn't even have to be such a verb, like to parent. You know, like growing up, my mom, like I saw, this is back when there weren't a lot of parenting books and she was definitely more interested in like, you know, romance, like, you know, best-selling, you know, salacious reads and all this other stuff. But she had this one little parenting book and it was like, how to be a better parent or something. And I remember seeing it and being like, what do you mean? You're reading about how to be a parent? Don't you know? Like, doesn't that just come with the territory? What do you mean you're reading about it? Like it blew my mind. And then I think about the 8 trillion books that I have, which mostly go unread. Some, you know, I like to read the funny things about actual parenting, but I don't know. There's no real roadmap, but I think, I don't know. Here we are. (laughs) <laughs> We're all lost. We're all, it's fine. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I like to think that my kids think that I know everything, but I'm just really good at googling. <laughs> That's really the fact. Is like they'll ask me questions and I Google it. <laughs> That's true. Now they don't even ask me. They're just like uh, Siri. Theory. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, my kids are pretty, pretty good at asking Alexa how to help with math now because yes, they know I am like of no use. Redundant. I, I might as well not even be around. But well, anyway. So what are you, what are you going to do next? What's, what's coming next? You're going to keep doing your blog. You have another book in you that you're thinking about. Yeah, I mean, my thought right now is, I mean, I might do more parenting books, but I, I would like to write something more about. I'd love to write a really funny mental health book. You know, I would love to write something that's like a really funny look, like, like just dark funny, you know, look at, at, at my own mental health and trying to understand, you know, well, I guess the goal would be is to help other people know how to overcome this sort of stuff. And I'm not saying I'm the best at it and I'm still living with it. And it, but I will say that, you know, I mean, one of the best things I ever did was to, to try and I mean, so much of what my father did with his drug addiction, whenever I discuss him with my therapist, they're always like, was he bipolar? And I'm like, I don't know. He would have never gone to a therapist, you know? But there's so many parts, these crazy parts in my life when I'll talk to a therapist about it, and I was like, he was probably having a manic episode. And then he'd get jacked up on painkillers and just make it worse, you know? And so understanding how to like take those lessons of bad mental health management that I learned from my parents and try and, and apply them to, you know, or unpacking it, undoing it and learning how to have healthier habits. So I'm hoping to write something in that vein, but funny. <laughs> and we'll see, we'll see if it works out. 
That sounds great. Awesome. Well, normally I end by asking people for advice for aspiring authors, but you've given so much advice along oh. the way. But give me, give me your one, your last final shreds of wisdom. This is the best advice I can give to any writer and they hate it. They hate this advice. You need to write every day. And there are authors that will disagree with you, but I can tell you, like when I was in grad school, this uh, John Remringer, I'm probably messing up his name, but he wrote a book called Vestments and it won a Minnesota book award. And he came and talked to us and he pulled out these calendars and each calendar had a, or each day had a couple stars on it and each star represented an hour that he wrote. And so he would, he would give himself a star and there were weeks where he didn't have anything, but for the most part, he had years of these calendars where he gave himself a star and he said, you know, I recommend to people to write two hours every day. And I remember thinking to myself, that's not even a part-time job. And I just dragged my family halfway across the United States to get a creative writing degree. And I wasn't writing part-time. And so it was right then that I said, I'm going to write at least two hours a day. And that was probably, geez, that's been 10, 12 years ago. And I have, I write way more than that now. But if you write every day, you'll get somewhere and you're going to write to no one for a very long time. Like, that's just the facts. But that's when things started getting better for me. And I also would say, if you're married, sit down with your spouse and establish that schedule. I write in the mornings and the whole family knows I write in the mornings. And if you bother dad during writing time, he's a jerk about it. <laughs> like, I am territorial. This is my time. I have claimed it. And that's, that's when you're going to get the most writing done. Write, write, figure out a time, establish it with your family, and then be a jerk about it. <laughs> and you will be, you'll get more done. Awesome. I love it. Well, Clint, thank you so much. Thanks for talking to me about your views of parenting and your books and, and all of it. This was really fun. And I can't wait to read your next book and follow, follow along. It's been really oh, awesome. Thank you. It was awesome uh, being on here and I appreciate your time. No problem. All right. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. You too. Bye. Thanks again to today's sponsor, me, <laughs> my holiday gift guide, zibbyowens.com slash gift shop. Please go check it out. Buy something for someone you love and I promise you won't regret it. zibbyowens.com slash gift shop. Go check it out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 